Hey y'all, here is the quote for Women Empowerment for today, and it's actually by Amy Schumer, and I just thought it was appropriate since um, we're talking about humor with Lisa David Olson, and Amy is a funny comedian, so here is the quote. I am a woman with thoughts and questions and shit to say. I say, if I'm beautiful, I say if I'm strong, you will not determine my story. I will. And it's actually perfect because Lisa actually talks about her story. So, I hope you really enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Chats of the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, and I'm your host. Today, I'm chatting with Lisa David Olson. She, we're chatting about connecting through humor. She's a so self-proclaimed icebreaker queen and has done a lot of improv, and it's just a really great chat. She is so funny to listen to and to chat with, and of course, there's a little period of time where she may leave a little bit because it's a we're recording video as well, and she wanted to show me her dog because her dog was so cute. And at the end, um, I actually, after we got off, I was able to show her Gigi and Allie. If you're interested in what Gigi and Allie look like, you can go on my Instagram and you can see both of them, um, Frugal Mom. So I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. Um, we have a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. It was really cool. And you know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start listening. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today, we're going to, guys, be prepared to laugh because I am with improv icebreaker queen, Lisa Olson. Lisa, tell us a little about yourself. Ta-da! Here we are, Melissa. I love being in the blog cabin with you. Thank you. It's so cozy here. Yeah. So, yeah, I am in Minnesota. Can you tell by the way I talk? Mm, so, yeah. yes. We just had to shovel. So uh, <laughs> I'm from Minnesota. I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I'm a podcaster. I'm an embarrassing mom. And I love pranks and coffee. Oh, my goodness. So let's talk about being the embarrassing mom first. Let's talk about that. Like, how many kids do you have? I have two that came out of me and then five total sons that I share. Oh, so, wow. Lots of boys. I put the seat back up because I know I'm outnumbered. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have three girls, so it's always the other way around with this. You got to put the seat down for my husband. So <laughs> Yes, yes. You can have the girls because, yeah, boys have their own issues. But uh, I, I would say all of my five sons probably equal your girls. So I'll take the boys. Oh, yeah. because it's that's all I know, really. Yeah. <laughs> so. and girls through teenage years. Mm-mm. That's no, thank you. Mm -mm. No, they hate you. Better. You're stupid. Yep. You're you, stupid. Don't know, you don't know anything. But yet, then later they're like, oh, now I see what you were telling me. That is the gift that makes us let them live in our home for so long is that day that they finally come back. And one of my sons said, you know, I've got this roommate. He just doesn't rinse his dishes. Where's that chore list that you had? And I never called it chores, but they mm -hmm. always did. You mean my house, my, you know, housekeeping list? Yeah. Can I get a copy? I about <laughs> fell on the floor. I'm glad it was over the phone because it was hilarious to me. But being an embarrassing mom is kind of, um, I think, all mom's hobbies. You know that if your child doesn't want to go to school on a certain day, it's just offering to take them there and wear your robe and definitely call out, hey, I'm Johnny's mom. That generally gets them motivated to continue on with their day. Yeah. And I used to do these these awesome, I think they're awesome, pranks when I would like be at the mall or some sort of store and I'd see somebody I know. 
And I would tell one of my boys, go over there and ask that guy for five bucks. I know him. His name is Scott. And then I would hide behind some sort of a kiosk or something. And, you know, imagine being in a store and some little eight-year-old walks up, Mr. Can I have five bucks? You know, because the kids knew that it was somebody I knew and it was safe. And the person would look around, you better find your parents. And that became the thing that you talk about when you see each other later. You know, why not just share the joy and just be really stupid in a fun way? So what, were you always like this or was it just something that you came up with? What happened to you? Um, <laughs> I definitely grew up in a, a home where humor was really important. I actually grew up in a traumatic childhood. And that's what my book talks about openly is having an alcoholic mother, knowing now that she was self-medicating for mental issues. Back then, you just knew when mom was drinking, you better stay out of the way. And so she she did physically harm us. She did pull us out of bed at night to make us clean out the garbage or rearrange something. It was just nonsensical, but she would have this rage about her. And we found humor was a great escape because if mom was laughing, she wasn't hitting us. And if later we were alone as siblings, I had three siblings, we would make each other laugh and tell a story. We became great storytellers. And we would take on the persona of maybe adults in our life and pretend to be them and just do a parody. We were actually doing comedy sketches just to lighten the mood and keep things going. And I'd say all my siblings are very funny. Unfortunately, it came from trauma, but humor is a great escape. And it it raises your endorphins. It mellows out your anxiety. It It just you know, lowers your blood pressure and it includes people in on the fun. It's a connector like no other, you know, because humor can cross age lines, ethnicity, language barriers, because some, some humor is physical yep. nice. and we share in that moment. And then it ripples out to our next experience. You turn and you're going to speak to someone at a store or, you know, call someone on the phone and you still have that joy and that buoyancy and that, that light in your life because you just had a laughing moment and you can't help but pass it on. It's, it's a good kind of contagious. Yeah. And then plus two, there's times when you're thinking about things that you've done in the past and a situation and all of a sudden you just start laughing because it just starts just all over giggle, even when you try to retell the story too. Yes. Has that happened to you at night? You're trying to fall asleep and then you just start getting the giggles. Yeah. <laughs> it's because we can finally relax and different memories of the day are coming back in. So that's always fun. But it, so, it is. It, it leaves a, a lasting effect. And it's a, it's a great learning tool because when we are laughing, we're engaged and you're fully focused. When there's something funny going on, a funny show, you're generally not flipping through your phone or doing anything else. You're focused because you don't want to miss it. Because why? Because we want to laugh. Because we want to we want to feel that. As kids, you laugh maybe a hundred times a day, truly belly laugh. And as we get older and there's more confines put on us and more silos and more told how to think, it's less funny. We want to make sure we fit in. What does everybody think of us? And we laugh maybe two to four times a day. Some people tell me even less. Wow. So let's talk about your book. What's your book called? And why did you decide to write it? It's called Laughs on Rye, spelled, spelled W-R-Y, and it's an improviser's memoir. And I decided to write it. It took me a while because I had the self-doubt. I had that inner voice that we all have. And I finally had to kick its little fanny and say, no, I'm writing this book because I want to put something out there that is not necessarily a legacy, but a piece of me on a shelf somewhere hundreds of years from now. If, if books are still a thing, but I, I mean, it's online too. Mm -hmm. I wanted a piece out there and I wanted to share my story to show the bravery of sharing. We all have a story. Every single person listening has a story. And a made up statistic is 79% are thinking of writing a book. So I, I like to make up stats. <laughs> so <laughs> you should, if you're thinking of it, start writing. Don't think of the reason. Don't think of the title. Don't think of who's going to be my editor. Just start writing because that's going to be the longest process. And in writing, that's how you decide the order. And in writing, that's how you decide the rhythm and the pattern and what you're going to do with it. The title, that should almost be the last thing until you find your theme. 
But I wanted to put it out there because with the trauma of growing up like I did, I missed so much school. I was sick a lot, tired a lot, and I wasn't really encouraged to make sure I was there every time. So I was doing what I wanted to. I left school in 10th grade. So then as an adult, and I certainly did more schooling on my own, but in that time, I was done with school. I moved out at 17. Hmm. I had to get out. And when I look back, I, I would always tell myself that ugly voice would say, but you don't have any degrees. You don't have initials after your name. Why should you write a book? Why does anybody want to know your story? And when I finally could, through therapy, start telling that inner voice to take a hike and tell myself, I want to write a book. It's not going to, why wouldn't I write a book? Why wouldn't everybody write their book? So I did. I finally got brave and I finally did it. And it took a team. It takes your layout person. It takes your editor. It, you know, it, it, it takes many steps, but they can be done. You have to start. So you should dare yourself every day to take a step toward that which you want. If it's jumping out of an airplane, if it's just being brave enough to put on shoes and make it to the mailbox, maybe you'll go further. So that's the thing I did. I dared myself to write the book. I wrote it. Um, it's in no particular order. It's, it's trauma, but it's also the pranks I play mm -hmm. on coworkers, on family, on the dog. Um, my coworkers are uh, police officers, so... <laughs> it makes it harder to prank because it's not like they're reactive. You know, they're very well trained. But do I give up? I do not give up. I do not give up. I will not give up. So that's that's a lot of why I wrote the book. And I included my project in bravery in the middle. And I always encourage people to do something brave, do something that that just makes you feel weird, makes you flutter in your gut, because that's why we're here to make a difference to feel things, to share things. And that's what my project in bravery is about. You can let me know if you want to hear about that because I want to challenge other people to try it too. Yeah. Let's, let's go for it. Let's get, cause that's on my talking list to do. Let's talk about the project on bravery and bravery. And then we'll go back to the pranks. Cause I want to hear about some of these pranks. <laughs> yes. I have a passion for the pranks. Well, with the project in bravery, I was walking down the street and there was two gals in their like early twenties and they had bought ice cream at the local ice cream shop. Really cute place. This a picture the double scoop of pink and the double scoop of bright blue. It was probably cotton candy and bubble gum and all the fun things. And they were standing by a brick wall getting pictures and laughing and laughing. And so I joined them and I said, would it be okay if we got a picture together? And they're like, sure, you on Instagram? You know, like, ooh, she's an influencer. No, I'm just a weird person that approaches <laughs> strangers. And so they said yes. And as I'm raising up the camera, this other thought came to me and I said, but you can't smile. So here I was daring them. I love dares and pranks. And I said, you can't smile, which makes him laugh. It makes you laugh. When you're not supposed to laugh, that's when we laugh. Mm -hmm. And then trying to stifle, it makes it even funnier. We were sharing in a moment. We did get the serious selfie. And I, afterwards, you look at the picture and you're just laughing even harder. I mean, these, these girls are standing there with ice cream cones looking like someone stole their puppy. It was so funny. And so I started doing these on Facebook and they're called, it's a hashtag serious selfies with strangers. Mm. What happened is when my book came out, I included a few of the pictures in it and the story for each one. One of the moms knew me through another friend. They recognized the girls in the pic and through how you know, people do, Hey, isn't that your kid? Isn't that your niece? We ended up meeting for coffee, had a great time laughing, being silly, taking more pictures. And then we went out shopping and we were singing ABBA songs in the resale shop and kind of taking over the world that day. It would not have happened without that serious selfie. That's one story of many of what's happened from that. Not all of them become lifelong friends or anything, but those that do, I always am grateful because I think that wouldn't have happened otherwise. If I kept my face in my phone and just kept walking, what an opportunity that would have missed. You know, there's another story where there's a little boy selling lemonade. And I always will stop at a lemonade stand. And I will usually give five bucks and I honestly dump the lemonade out when they're not looking. I you know, go around the corner and dump it out because that's just not my jam. But we have to support our young entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so I got a serious selfie with him. And when my book came out, I was like, I really want to include him. 
And I tracked down who his mom is just through asking in our small town. And she signed the waiver. But that's how I got to learn his story. His lemonade stand was actually, he was raising money for his grandma for her walk because it was uh, supporting breast cancer, which she was a recent survivor. Mm. And he raised 400 bucks for, for grandma's walk for surviving breast cancer. And I just wouldn't have known that if it wasn't for the picture and the book. And gives you hope, you know? And I, I still dumped out the lemonade, but dang it, I helped that little boy. And <laughs> it's just a great story. And we've stayed in touch because we're in the same town. So what made you decide to start doing this, though? I'm a pretty random person. I'm a, I'm a kind of person that will carry around googly eyes. I'm the kind of person that at any given time might pull out a fake cigarette just for attention. I am as weird as it gets because I love to make people do a double take. You know, I, I know when to be serious. I do have an, a very serious job, but also there's some levity. And if you if the timing is right, it's it's just a joy maker. And again, laughter we share and it goes out further. And there's a lot of times you have to balance your serious part of your job with a little bit of levity, a little bit mm -hmm. of venting and getting it out. And it's a bonding thing. So when you make someone laugh, you're you're connected. Yeah. And if they don't laugh, well, then, you know, that was still funny to me. <laughs> my that husband said I'm my own best audience. <laughs> yeah. so that brings me to the next question. What is your day job then? I work in a police department and I'm in records and I do some local dispatch and administrative duties and get the evidence process, things like that. Yeah, so I, I, I know yeah, I how hard it is, especially I'm a cop's daughter. So I understand how hard it is for a police officers. My dad passed away a few years ago, but still... I having to compartmentalize some of the things that you see on the job so you don't take it home. So I guess that's your way of escape, right? Yes. How, how wonderful that your dad was uh, in law enforcement. That's really, really commendable. It, it, it is a hard job. And they're, they, you know, some, some officers are like, Oh, they get to retire early. You know what? They're doing double work. Can you imagine going from, well, it's, it's, it's like parenting, but a little, a little more uh, dangerous because, like a parent, you're sleeping in the night and all of a sudden the baby cries and you are up and running before mm -hmm. you even know that your feet hit the floor. Imagine that 40 plus hours a week. I mean, yes, as a parent, you're getting the same, but you don't know what you're walking into a domestic or um, a mental issue or just neighbors who are sick of looking at each other. You don't know and you have yeah. to be prepared for the worst. So that that is a toll that I, I respect their work so much. I, I really, I'm grateful for that job because I know I make a difference and I feel like I'm giving back, even though it is my career. I'm very grateful to work with them. Yeah. So let's talk about the pranks. You prank your dog. That's one of the things you said you pull pranks on your dog as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you say it, Melissa, it sounds weird, but <laughs> it's not. I mean, one by one, the sun's moved out. And what am I supposed to do? I will hide and jump out of her and then yell, oh, you should have seen your face. Yeah. My husband's not impressed. But he is glad when I pick on her and not him. I love to hide and jump out. I just did it last week to one of the officers who uh, was very, very pregnant. <laughs> but she <laughs> she had something I knew she was going to put back in the closet. So, of course, I while she was using the item, I, I went and stood in the closet and ran video because that's normal. <laughs> and so... But the, the police don't jump and scream. That's the, that's the sad part about wasting this at work because they don't. They, they more or less look at you like... Ugh you again. But I like to put, you know, those, you know, snap and pops. They're mm -hmm. the little white paper that you throw down and it pops. If you put like six tape them onto the hinges of an open door, like a bathroom at work, when they go to shut that door, the sound is fabulous. Pow. So I do that at work from time to time. And again, you're not going to get them to, to do much. The bathroom is near my office. I'm so blessed. But... <laughs> There was the day I taped them all in the hinges, and I think it was an eight snap it kind of day. I was feeling extra sassy, and I waited, and I waited. I don't know what was up with my brothers in blue, but they were having bladders of steel that day. Nobody went to the bathroom, and I don't know why. And I forgot, and I got myself. <laughs> so I'm, I go in the bathroom, I shut the door, pow, and I screamed, and then I'm laughing. Nobody cared. It's just like, she's entertaining herself again. Just stay back here. 
which I think is kind of funny that nobody would laugh that you actually caught yourself in that. <laughs> they don't care. I mean, they care and stuff, but they also realize she'll get through it, whatever it is. I mean, if I needed them, they'd be right there, but they, I laugh randomly. I mean, you got to find the fun. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, days are too long. You know, you get one spin on this rock, so you might as well find the joy when you can. I'm not always on the up. I certainly have my reset moments, but I'm pretty hyper in general. And, and I think, you know, pranks that aren't hurting someone or making fun of someone, just the silliness of it. You know, we've, whether it's sending a silly card, maybe you want to send an Easter card in July. Maybe you want to send a note to somebody and not sign it. That's kind of fun because then the mystery's out there and they're probably going to post it on Facebook or send somebody random flowers or cookies or something. And just, you know, sometimes pranks can be that way as well, where you know you're going to stir somebody up and create this, what's going on? And it really does add to a day, especially with quarantine. I've got a lot of pen pals right now because going to the mailbox and finding the handwritten letter, that is so cool. That's the one we open first. If mm -hmm. my name isn't hand, handwritten, I'm going to open that first. Unless it's one that you know is the check. Then you're going to open the check first, of course, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you you are right about that. <laughs> Give me the money. Yep. Tell me about it. So let's talk about um, you calling yourself the icebreaker queen. I have a lot of years in performing. So it's improvisation, sketch comedy, song parodies, and that's transferred over. I've been speaking as long as I've been performing, and that's 20 years. So with speaking, I like to do warm-ups. I even like to do it in person. Let's say it's it's my husband and I with another couple. That can be awkward. Some people do better one person in a stage with a room. Some people do better you and me meeting. This is fine. Mm -hmm. and, and some people really choke on that. If, if you're out to dinner and you have this anxiousness of what are we going to even talk about? I'll tell you what you talk about in the small group. And this is what I talk about when I go to the store and it's somebody at the checkout. They say, how are you? And you say what, Melissa? Fine. You? Good. Then I say, we were both just lying. I'm not fine. <laughs> we're not good. <laughs> I am not at a spa right now with my toes in the sand. You are not having cocktails with somebody you care about. So tell me, is what I'll say to them, what makes what makes you laugh? What brings you joy? What are you up to? I Just from that, as odd as that is, you're standing there talking anyway. I found out the cashier who's on a dance team, mm -hmm. another cashier, he, he has dreadlocks, pulled way back, big guy, tie-dye t-shirt. He fosters little bitty tiny little kitty cats. Who'd have thunk? Yeah. It's what brings you what brought you joy today? What 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 makes you happy? Because that's a real conversation, and we are all very much missing that. I think one of the things we do driving down the street mm -hmm. is like, oh, there's a jogger. Hi, there's another person outside. Woohoo! <laughs> We're just so, so craving this this interaction and, and zoom has been wonderful, a great way to, to connect, but we're still missing the, you know, closeness that we had that we were, that we didn't know we were taking for granted. So I think breaking the ice that way is, is a nice way. So if you were out to dinner with another couple, one of the things I do is I just say, have you been on any trips? And maybe not that question. Now tell me about the best trip you have ever been on. Hmm. That's an opener. The, the trick is, it's not a trick, the key is people like to talk about themselves. They're pretty much an expert in that topic. And if you do a leading question that you really care about, tell me about your, your favorite trip. What's the worst job you ever had? What's the most embarrassing moment? You can come up with a very open question that leads to other questions. As you know, you're doing it as mm -hmm. an interviewer. And people will talk about themselves. And you know, what's, what's the, what's your pet peeve? That's one of mine that I ask a lot and <laughs> because it does open up that conversation. But the, the main thing is, is once you ask, make sure you're listening mm -hmm. and that you build on what they said. And that's another improv tip for my years of the stage, because when you're in a scene with somebody, you have to commit to that scene. I promise. I just promised that I was going to be the shopkeeper 
at the liquor store and you stated that you were the one of the guests and you had brought some animal with you. Now together on stage, we're going to figure out what the animal is. We're going to come up with a conflict and we're going to come up with the out of the scene all in, in three minutes. So that's how you do improv. In real life, we're all doing improv if you have a partner, a boss, a kid, a friend. We all do improv. We improv when we drive, believe it or not. And we improv when we just try and walk across the living room. You're just not thinking it's a stage with an opening song. So when you use that in a conversation, you've committed to the scene. You're committing to the conversation. You're going to put your phone down. You're going to look in their eyes. You're listening to what they say. And instead of playing topper and making your story more important after theirs or blurting out your story right away, ask them a follow-up question. Show that you heard. Repeat something, a keyword of what they said, and have a real conversation. I'm not trying to make it sound like a trick, mm -hmm. but if you really want your partner or someone to feel heard, that's the best way to do it. We want to feel heard. We need to be heard. Yeah, especially in this day and age. But I have to ask, have you ever gotten when you, like at the cashier, how are you doing? Fine, how are you? And then you start asking them questions. They ever looked at you like, are you crazy lady? Why are you talking to me? Have you ever gotten those reactions or 99% of the time or they've been forthcoming with how they feel and what's going on in their lives? It's an excellent question. I cannot think of one that didn't answer in some way, even if it was just a chuckle and, and saying, I'd have to think about that. That still leads to the conversation. Oh, come on. There must be something. I bet you ski. You guess. I have not met one, and I don't know if it's because they're trapped and they have to give good service. <laughs> That's okay with me. But how, how you know, you think about their day of scanning groceries, you're on your feet, you're flipping tired, or if it's a server, you're tired, and half the people aren't even going to tip very well, which, by the way, if you're not going to tip well, tell your server before you order. How's that? Oh, I love that. <laughs> tell love them beforehand. That. <laughs> so... When, you know, it's, it's just another opportunity to, even if they couldn't come up with it, because they sure as heck aren't expecting it, there's still some sort of conversation that happens. And sometimes they'll turn it back on me. Uh-oh. So let's talk about how they turn it back on you. They'll just say, I don't, what do you do? What is, well, I don't know. What do you do for fun? Because they don't want to answer or they, they weren't expecting to answer something like, like that. And I absolutely will answer. I, I started painting lately. I love true crime podcasts. Oh, heck yeah, I'll answer you. <laughs> I have the cutest dog in the world. No, I think I might have the cutest dog in the world. <laughs> oh, our first fight. Our first fight. Yeah, first fight. <laughs> Where's your dog? Um, She is actually not in here right now. <laughs> okay, if she comes in, I want to see her, please. She is a little black and white cutie. I mean, she is so cute. She Mine's really black and white. Is she a shih tzu? No, no. We don't talk like that in my house. <laughs> Ours is a rescue. She's got like a kind of like a terrier or pit face and little tiny corgi legs. She's really goofy looking. Oh, I have to see that now because I and the little corgi legs are so cute. Yeah, I'll I'll make her come in. <laughs> Munch. Uh, She'll come. So cute. Okay, come. Oh my goodness, what a cutie. Hi, cutie. <laughs> what a cutie. The little corgi legs and everything. Oh, when you said corgi legs, I had to I had to see it. I know she's just so different looking. Yeah. Okay, thank you, dear. There you go. <laughs> she's like, what just happened? She's like, I'm going to be famous now. <laughs> she's famous on my Facebook page. See, Allie is famous online, and we just recently adopted uh a Pitbull American Bulldog mix that she was a rescue. Her name's Gigi. Oh my gosh. I heard they're smart dogs, right? Yeah, but oh my gosh, they're so destructive. She is so destructive. Like, like chewing? She, yes. Chewing. All, or give her toys and they're all over the place. <laughs> wow. It looks like they committed a stuffed animal murder in our house when you walk in and there's stuffed <laughs> animal stuff all over the place. I'm like, oh my gosh. Little cloth crime scenes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like little styrofoam and the balls, like little start little pieces of the ball. She'll oh, like they want to tear them apart. Yep. She so the two dogs get a, get along nice. 
so-so. I mean, Allie, it was her territory for so long, so it's kind of, you know Working how that out the kinks. Yep, because Allie is 10 and Gigi's three, so. Oh, wow. So Gigi's got all the energy. Gigi's got the puppy stuff, yep. Definitely. Oh, well, how nice of you to rescue. Yeah, well, she was a rescue, and then a soldier, because we live in a military sound, town, Oh, and he adopted her, but he's being deployed to Japan, and he couldn't take her. Wow. And so he was looking for a, a home for her, and she came to live with us. So he can still see her on Facebook? Um. Well, it's actually a friend of my daughter's that he's saying, and she was originally adopting her, but it didn't oh. work out for her because Gigi was too much energy for her in her apartment. So she's like, oh. I can't deal with it. So she came to live with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a lucky dog though. She found her home. And she's a mess for sure. Oh, she keeps you hopping. Oh, you have yeah. to buy those indestructible toys. I mean, they're high end, but they uh, make them. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think any indestructible toys are going to be, I think she's going to find a way to destroy them. Wow. Well, hopefully that phase kind of passes through. Hopefully soon, yes. <laughs> so that's so, another point. Animals bring us so much joy as well a lot, to a lot of people. It does. And that's why they use pets as therapy, like in nursing homes and such, that it's it's a, it's a another kind of a connector. And, and, and again, and, and that's a great comparison because it's nonverbal. It's just accepting and opening your heart and your mind. And that's, uh, yeah. Another nice connector that crosses all the boundaries, just like humor does. Yeah. And especially when you consider you go for a walk and if you're walking your dog, people are more apt to say something to you when you're walking a dog because, oh, what a cute dog or what a, for Allie, it's always, oh, what a cute boy dog you have. What a cute boy. And I'm like, no, it's a girl. So we have to put <laughs> her hair up in a little bow so that people know it's a girl. But yeah, for the most part, that's always a conversation starter. Oh, that's so cute. Yes. It's a, that's an icebreaker too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's talk about improv because why did you get in that to cover the trauma, to kind of get over the trauma, to give humor to your life or what? Well, humor was a huge part of surviving what we were going through as kids. As an adult, I was in a singing group and one of the ladies in the group said, you know, I think you should come to this group I'm in there's auditions tonight and it's comedy and we do song parodies. And I was like, so flattered. I thought, I, I think I'm funny. I, I know I can sing cause I won a spot in this singing group and you know, I'm sitting there just thinking about it. And she said, yeah, we need another woman. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I guess I shouldn't think so much of myself. <laughs> okay. I have girl parts and I'm available tonight. I'll be down there. And I was scared to death of improv because we think of it as, having to come up with amazing things on the spot. Well, that is part of it, but it's also the acceptance of whatever's going to come in. It turns out I can play different characters. And so it became my way of not being me. And that's really important. And that's why a lot of comics go to stage. That's why a lot of comics have that kind of background, uh, Robin Williams. And I'm not comparing myself to him. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying a lot of people that do comedy came from a dark place because it's our chance to be someone else. A lot of comics you see on stage are a persona. They're not truly, I mean, Stephen Wright, he's really flat delivering really mm -hmm. monotone lines. You know, why do we park in a driveway and drive in a parkway? And it's just real monotone. That's not the way he would talk to you before or after a show. Uh, it's a persona and it works and it's a way to be somebody else for that 30 minute set. Yeah. And for me, performing was instant gratification. And on top of it was writing. So we were writing sketch comedy, doing some improv games in between, kind of like whose line is it anyway? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I'm going to be stuck in an elevator with somebody. And we together in the moment have to figure out how to solve that problem. Um, and so I really liked that part of it. But it became this circle of people that had my back that listened because you have to hear each other to do a scene that had my back. If I forgot or dropped a line, they're going to find a way to pick it back up as I would for them. And then came to this conclusion to end the scene work together. And then if the audience laughed all the better, 
But if they didn't, I still made this cohesive story in the moment out of the top of my head. So the challenge really fit me, feeling so long that I wasn't smart because I was out of school so early and feeling like I, I never could do the things other people could do. In that moment, I did and I can and I still do. So I think that built up my own persona of myself of not saying that I'm not smart because so many people say, I don't know how you do it. You don't know what, what somebody's going to say. Or there's a character I play named Gladys and she's elder and she is sassy and she always has her walker and she has to try and get up on stage and there's two steps and she's very frustrated. How in the heck is she going to get up these two steps? So she'll look to the audience and pick a nice strapping young buck and say, can you give me a boosty? Well, over and over for 20 years, nine shows a season, she got a boosty from some young buck and he ended up in the scene. So there I had a scene and I knew my topic and I had the blanks in between. I'm just making it a visual, but in my mind, I had the blanks where I would ask him something. And I just found this way to play with people. Um, you know, like, what's your name? Brian. Brian with an I or Brian with a Y? I'm Brian with an I. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm not taking a job application. I'm just asking you. Well, she already set him up. She asked him. All he did was answer. And now she's already heckling him and making fun of him. You know, so it was just never knowing if you're going to be able to work with that person. They didn't want to be in the scene. They thought they were honestly helping somebody up. And other people in the audience who had seen it before totally knew not to sit towards the front. They totally knew what was going to go on. That made them in on the joke. Mm -hmm. That's the best kind of humor. That's why when doing improv, if I say to you, give me a room where two people might meet and you say the lobby of a movie theater, you're now in on it without having to get up, without having to be in it with the spotlight on you and no worries. You just yelled it out and they used my idea. And that's pretty cool. That is cool. Now, have you ever been in the middle of the scene and just could not stop laughing because the scene was just so hilarious that you just can't hold it in anymore? Absolutely. A couple of my partners on stage have facial expressions that can just get me going. I, one guy put on this wig and he, and it was a, a wig with a ponytail in the back and he was playing a character in our town and he was talking like he was an Italian. And when he moved, something bumped. And now his wig made this really stupid ponytail stick straight out from the side. And when he turned and he didn't know it, I could not breathe. I could not. And my other coworker on stage whispers, get your bleep together, girl. And that made me just lose it. I, I think I left the scene to come back. And somebody fixed it. But looking at that, it was very much a, a Carol Burnett, Tim Conway moment mm -hmm. because he was just, he had no idea. But when he turned, it's just sticking right out of the side of his head. And that's so funny to me. So I can clearly remember that moment. There's other times that, yes, when, a, when in a scene of improv and we're replaying somebody's first date, we, we interview them and learn their first date. And one of them was, uh, we, we met at a Perkins and then later on their honeymoon was like in Mexico. And one of my cohorts came out on stage. Welcome to Perkins in Mexico. How may I take your order? You know, it was just so funny because she put the two things together and then she started speaking in Spanish and we just lost it. Then she started singing Jolene by Dolly Parton. <laughs> but she was singing Jolene, 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 Jolene. <laughs> then the audience started singing it. Now we're all in on this crazy joke because two people had a honeymoon. <laughs> you know, everybody was singing that song all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about improv. You never know what's coming next, right? Never. Because the next night, it's going to be a different couple, a different story of how they met. And what's so funny when you get two people on stage like that, um, you know, if you picture with, with somebody you've been with, you don't know what they're going to say, but what always happened is they would call each other out on stuff. Oh, you don't remember? And it would almost always turn into that. Like if you remember the Hollywood like dating game or something. Mm -hmm. Somehow it became this <laughs> confessional. Like, no, and you didn't want to meet my mother. You know, and it was just like, because <laughs> they are on the spot. <laughs> and just thinking of those times really make me laugh that people would call each other out right there in front of 
couple hundred people. <laughs> I was like, okay, a little marriage counseling needed here. Here's a card. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to be pretty quick on your feet to do improv then, right? You do. And that's why having the right team is really what makes the difference. But it, it, because of that training, myself as a speaker, when I'm in the audience, that's why I have to play with the audience. I love to be interactive. Then the quarantine. And now what do I do? But I've learned that there's other ways to be interactive. Virtually speaking, I'm still interactive. It's the chat box or you have the people pop in and you ask a question. Give me that song that makes you, you know, fill in the blank. And I'm, I'm including them just like I talked about. I'm not calling them out. I can use what they wrote. I don't even have to say their name. And now they're part of the presentation in the safety of their keyboard zone in their pajama bottoms. Nothing better than that. Yeah, definitely. As comfortable as possible right now. That's right. Calls. I feel bad for bra companies and lipstick manufacturers. We don't need any of that. <laughs> That's <so> true. <laughs> it's the wrong week to start selling Mary Kay, you know? Yep. Tell me about it. <laughs> So you said you still do everything, even though you're not performing with the troupe right now with improv, you do a lot of stuff online. I know you have a Facebook group called Counterclockwise. So tell us about yeah. that. Yeah, Counterclockwise, I started as I was phasing out the comedy troupe stuff. I decided to get out of the troupe while things were good. And I like to leave on a high note. And for a couple of years, I thought, oh, maybe I'm going to back out now or calm it down. And I decided in January, you know what? I'm not going to do a show this fall. It's just, it's a lot of writing. It's months of prep and working full time. Now we're doing 10 hour shifts. Eh, I don't know. Well, boy, was I right that I wasn't doing a fall show. <laughs> Let me just say that. Whoa, universe, you got me. Um, but with speaking, yes, I'm still doing virtual stuff. I'm prepping for April is humor month. And so I'm starting to put the word out about that to, to just make sure people are starting to plan ahead to think of having even a 20 minute humor presentation from improv and performing. I have creative cues that I share with people and I have a journal named what ifs and why nots that I had printed locally. So you can get it through me and it's all cues and improv ideas and creativity ideas of, geez, I was going to sit down and write my blog today and I'm drawing a blank. I, I'm not inspired. I've got ideas for that. I've got tips on that. And I just had a client before this meetup and we talked about her book. We talked about the title. We talked about the setup of it and something that was very clever, a clever twist to make it, to infuse more humor. Not that I always say it has to have humor, but for her that matched. And we bounce ideas. A lot of times we have to get them out of our head, mm -hmm. you know, or you need an accountability buddy. That's the kind of stuff I'm doing on the side now too which can be done on Zoom or the phone. Yep. But counterclockwise then, I started as I was phasing out my comedy troupe page, I made this one interactive. The comedy troupe page was just whatever I would put on there. But this one is interactive. Anybody can post. Um, if, it's, if it's rated R or political, it, it, it will disappear. That's in the rules. But they can chat with each other. Somebody put up a question the other day saying, did anybody leave their holiday lights on their house? And there was like 70 responses in two days of people saying, are you kidding me? I'm leaving them up till Memorial Day, you know, and just being sassy. Mm -hmm. And I've got in three months, um, over 2000 people on there. Wow. Invites every day. They want, they want to laugh. We want to have that place to go. There was a shopkeeper who I was shocked. He knew who I was wearing. A, I was wearing a hat and my mask and he said my name and I was just in shock because I knew who he was because I'm in his store. And he said, I've got to tell you, I really enjoy counterclockwise because I know I can get some humor. It's where I go. If I, I need a jolt of humor, I want to see it. And I didn't even know he was in the group because I don't know all the names, of course. Mm -hmm. It was like, I just kind of gained an inch in my posture as I left that store. And of course I bought more too, but <laughs> it was a really, it really meant a lot to me because to say, wow, what you do makes a difference is who else, you know, that's a pretty good sentence to have in your day. Yeah, for sure. You said April is comedy month. Is that what you said? April is humor month. And I don't know if that aligns with just because April fools is April 1st and it was named, you know, humor month, but it, it is humor month and you can celebrate 
with pranks and jokes all month long. Doesn't have to be April Fool's Day. Okay, so I'm going to actually proposition you right here. Will you come back on in April and we do an improv? Heck yeah. Yeah. I would love to. I will send you a link after we get off this. So you got you can come on and we'll go Facebook live on that one. We'll okay. Probably live and get people to respond and everything. Because I think it would be great. That would be fun. Now, are you going to play with me? Yes, I will play with you. I may <gasps> be cracking up laughing, but I'll play with you. <laughs> awesome. Oh, this will be great. Well, absolutely. I would do that, Melissa. Thanks for the invite. Because I think laughter is like your, people say it's your best medicine too. I mean, there's so many times that I see these videos on Facebook and I just cannot stop laughing at them because they're just so funny. Like the yes. one where the girl was talking, how do you spell, how do you pronounce this word? Did you see that one where it's like T-U-E-T-O-O and it was like two, but she said two. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was a whole buildup and, and the whole family was like dying and laughing at her. And then she looked at the word. She's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and that, that is really funny. And that is, you know, like when you pronounce something wrong, that is, everybody can relate to it. And I'm sure everybody could say, remember when you said, you know, uh, some word pronounced wrong or somebody's name or cities are pronounced so differently. I think that's really relatable. That's funny. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I know. While we were talking, one instance came into my mind about when my youngest daughter and I were at an event and we had gone back to the hotel and she had remembered that she had food left over from lunch. So she was going to go to eat it and she went to eat it and she didn't heat it up or anything. But she blew on it because she remembered how hot it was <laughs> at lunchtime. <laughs> that video, I just used to both just sit there and laugh at each other. Kids were like, why are you blowing on it? It's not hot. It's cold. <laughs> because that's what you do, mother. It's <laughs> called muscle memory, mother. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> So, you know, definitely laughter is the best medicine. Now, you talked about song parodies. Do you have one that you can do for us? Well, if you want to give me a topic. We, oh. we did song parodies. We did a musical on the potholes in our town and the roundabouts. And <laughs> we did it on, our, on the ugly art that was in town that was donated to us. And we've done musicals on different characters, motels, just people in the town, you know, it's every town's got their thing. Every town's got their building or their drama. And we always would do it with balance. It might be a Wizard of Oz theme and we'd always have a musical ending. It was just, my husband is in the troupe and he, he ended up being the mother in show choir with a full beard and a blonde wig. And it was, <laughs> he's like, Two things I'm never going to do. I'm never going to sing, and I will never wear a wig. And there he sat on stage singing as a show choir mom. He's yelling from the other room. He can hear me. And he had, and he had a blonde wig on, and we're in sequins. Yeah, that was my man. But yeah, I can I can make up. I like to make up songs. So if if you want to give me something you want to talk about, just anything. Anything. So that's not how improv works, Melissa. Oh, no. <laughs> let's just no. talk. Let's blog cabin. Let's just do that one. Oh, the blog cabin. All right. Give yeah. me two seconds here. I'm with Melissa. You never know what'll happen. We're sitting here. Chats from blog cabin and... That's going to be your new intro. <laughs> I'm going to have you record it for me. <laughs> Not that you need a new intro. Yours is adorbs. Everybody says it. I made it on iMovie like one afternoon. So <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I kind of wanted to change it, but now I'm like, I can't now because everybody just loves it so much. <laughs> it's kind of your thing. You're, you're yep. stuck. You're stuck because yep. you're so good. Thank you. That's what happens. So <laughs> let's talk about your husband's in the troop with you. Is that... Did he kind of fall in when you fell in, like, so to spend more time together? Or is he kind of laugh or like a character, too, is like you are? <sighs> he is. We met over 30 years ago because he has an entertainment business that is DJs and such. So I was married and he was married to other people. And I was working there. And I, I was, what, early 20s. And 
always did dances, always respected his work because I remember being at a dance once and my soundboard started smoking and I called him and over the phone, he told me exactly how to change it out. And I had a spare one with me and I had no idea. From that moment, I just thought this man is brilliant and, and he is. Years later, when I was in the troupe and we were looking to get more artists to join, I got a hold of him and I was like, you should come down here and a couple other friends. And he said, I'll go. I just want to watch. I'm not interested in taking anything else on. And his company by then had grown to doing game shows and everything. And he can do he can do family feud and be the, the, the host with the most. And he knows trivia galore. So he can do a party just he could just show up right now and, and host a party, a minute to win it thing or anything. Mm -hmm. And so he was just an excellent addition. We were together for a long time in the troupe of seven of us. And both were getting divorced at the same time and didn't, we, nobody talked about it. In showbiz, you don't really want to share your ick because mm -hmm. you need to be here and this needs to be out there. And mm -hmm. so you generally don't share that. He became the director and stuff, but I would say within a year of our divorces, I chased him down. <laughs> so <laughs> I snagged that one. Yeah. So yes. And so he, he was the director and main writer and definitely a performer, definitely. So, and that, that comes in handy now. He's doing a lot of video work and he's writing scripts for, for commercials and they always have a touch of humor and it's, it's a great way to have a memorable ad. So yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of the work he does and I'm always tapping into him for my stuff. You know, everybody should have that person they can bounce stuff off of. I'm so lucky I married one. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Do you mm -hmm. ever have competition with each other? Like, who can be the funniest? Well, no, I'm the funniest. So I'm just seeing if he's still listening. Uh, he he's he would probably actually win. But no, we could do that. I mean, if you want to in April, I'll bring him on with us. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, we can. That would be so much fun. You can be the judge of that. You could be their judge. I, I don't know if I'd be able to get through without, like, dying laughing because, you know... <laughs> <laughs> this is on chat right now i'm thinking all this stuff that's going through my head i'm like oh my gosh what did i just get myself into <laughs> exactly welcome to the world of creativity you did it to yourself girl yeah tell me about it <laughs> yeah it's harmless so um you you talked about your journal full of improv tips people can only buy it locally with you yep just message me on face place and we can connect that way on Facebook and face place. I like that. <laughs> I always say that. And so I, I did it locally. I wanted um, it's spiral bound and I, I like spiral and I didn't want to pay the whole thing on Amazon mm -hmm. to have it spiral. Yeah. And so I also wanted to support local and that's before it was cool. So I, I did. So then one page is lined and then one is just blank so that you can, some of us have to have lines and some of us want to doodle. So that's what I, I did. And I'm in the process of creating even more of the creative cues for toward business and teams and workshops. And I'm putting that together for a, uh, like a, a playbook, a workbook kind of a thing. So it'll ha be full of tips and ideas toward getting unstuck and reigniting your projects. Oh, I love that. And you also talk about you took you take on clients as well. Tell us a little bit more about that. I do. It's creative partnering. Um, it's it's a coaching type process. And it's an opportunity to work on your ideas. Like uh, one friend had two different businesses going on. And in trying to figure out where she wanted to put most of her energy into them, after one session together, it was basically just make your market separate. You know, one was a craft and one was um, a guided group for the moon phases and such. It's like you can do both. You're doing both. You, mm -hmm. Both can be businesses, but you just have to know your audience. So yeah. it was and there was more to it than that. But there were at times I said, why couldn't you do both? Why couldn't you say we're going to make this amazing macrame wall hanging during the new moon phase, do a meditation with it, put all of her stuff together because you mm -hmm. can't. And that's, that's just the fun of it. There is, you know, if, if nobody put ideas together, we wouldn't have banana splits, man. And that would be sad. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Really so. sad. 
would be super sad. <laughs> super sad. <laughs> so that's the kind of coaching. And um, the other one I did today was a friend, like I said, working on her book. Um, a lot of authors. I've, I've worked with three different authors now. I'm just trying to figure out theme, layout, just, you know, it's, I'm ideas based. I'm not a layout person or an mm -hmm. editor, but I, ideas based of just listening to your story. Here's what is a common thread that I'm hearing, or have you thought about this title? And if you are writing, make sure the title is something you love to say over and over. Mm. Make sure. Because <laughs> mine is laughs on rye and it's W-R-Y and I always spell it. Mm -hmm. I'm still passionately in love with the title, but make sure it's something that's not a tongue twister or that you don't have to totally explain it if you're titling your book. Yeah, because every time you say your title, I'm thinking sandwich. Yes. And actually, that's what's on the cover is a piece of bread because oh. it's all twists on the word rye. Oh. It's actually a piece of wheat bread. If you want to call me out on it, that's fine. <laughs> I took that, that picture. <laughs> I took that picture with my cell phone and it, it's okay. I love it. But, you know, you just, when you're naming it, think about your audience. A friend that, a client rather, that is writing and her topic is um, sex ed for adults because she sells product and her title was going to be a little more racy. And the more we talked, she kind of backed it down because if she's presenting to a corporate, the, the topic is still great, but is your, your book is witty and that's fun. But is that what corporate would want to put on their posters mm -hmm. and put on their website? This is her book. So you gotta, gotta think in both worlds. Yeah. So your book I had a question now. It just left me. I cannot believe that just happened. Oh, now I know. Did you self-publish it or did you go through a publisher? Because that's what I get. A lot of authors who follow me ask that question. I self-published and it is on Amazon and I did do an audio version and it is on Kindle. The audio version was amazingly challenging. Mm. The acceptance of the sound and the tone and the spacing is extremely rigid. That was not what I expected. Luckily, my husband is a video audio guy and he has the patience of 12 saints and mm -hmm. he made it happen, but it was a huge process. I thought I would read my book and it would be done, but no, 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 no. <laughs> so that is the process, but self-publishing is great. But if you aren't through um, Ingle House, something like that. Right now it's losing me. If you're not through a certain publishing company, you cannot get in major bookstores like Barnes and Noble. Mm. But you are buying your ISBN number. You have to purchase that. And that's a cost people aren't really looking for. They're not understand. I didn't know. I did shed a tear when I found out it was going to be hundreds of dollars to get my ISBN number because you have to buy them in like packs. Or mm. something. You learn as you go. It is money. It, just because you self-publish doesn't mean it's not going to be thousands of dollars. It is. Yeah. And paying for an editor along the way. It's not cheap. Mm -hmm. And I would not regret this at all. I, I did it the best way I could. It took a little longer, but I actually could write it in five months because I had an editor who we did weekly check-ins and that works. That, that accountability saying, all right, let's do another 10 pages next week really helped. Yeah, I think accountability helps in any situation. If you have someone that's holding you accountable for something, you can get it done a lot quicker because, you know, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to meet with them and I'm supposed to have this much done and I'm not going to have anything done. I'm going to look so bad. Then you push yourself through to get that done. Isn't that true for, you know, finishing the laundry or cleaning the house or getting the meal started? I think we're very competitive and accountability, buddy. It, I've got a friend that will take a picture of our closet. All right, you ready? Let's go. Here's my picture of my closet. All right, let's 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 get it done. It's always easier to help with somebody else's stuff too. But yeah. I think you make a game out of it. You make a race out of it. I used to have my sons fill the paper grocery bags with whatever they were done with. All right, let's, let's go to donation. Let's give this stuff to kids who don't have it. And we would race and time it and then always have a treat after, you know. Just, but you make a competition out of it. You can almost get anything done. That's we are competitive. Cool. Yeah, we're about to wrap up now, but is there one thing that you would like to share with anybody? One last thought before I ask you where people can find you at. That's going to be the last thing, but one last yeah. thought. Um, yeah, I would like people to um, 
to remember that commit to the scene that we talked about, whether it's with a partner or a coworker or somebody commit to the scene and listen, let them be heard. I encourage you to be bold, be brave and dare yourself daily. And please stay weird. <laughs> stay weird. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Now, where can people find you at? Mostly on Facebook because I'm 55. That's my hangout. I did just join Clubhouse, but I don't know what to do there. Me and too. Then, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Lisa David Olson. Uh, my podcast is called Stranger Connections. It's where I interview the people with the weird life stories and quirky careers. So send me your weirdos, Stranger Connections. And I have a comedy album out, and that is on iTunes. And it's called Fun on the Phone, and it's spelled P-H-U-N for fun on the phone. Lisa David Olson, you will find that on iTunes. And it's all telemarketer calls, telemarketers that didn't get to pitch me, done over many years. <laughs> uh -oh. Check it out. I promise you will laugh, Melissa. I promise. Or I will come and wash your car. Oh, my car does need washing. <laughs> it's my guarantee. If you don't laugh after listening to those calls, I will come and wash your car. Can you do one little sneak pit snippet of a call? I can try. Am I able to share a screen? Yeah, you can. Let me try. I'll share a screen. Let me try to share my screen. <laughs> uh, uh -huh -huh. Let's see how I'll minimize and then I'll share my screen. Tell me if you can hear it. Hello? Hello, man. Please speak with Tom. Can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear a little bit. Now you're Here we frozen. Go. Hello, may I please speak with Thompson? You're not in, may I help you? Um, yes, this is Ms. Thompson. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, I'm calling to let you know that you are eligible to apply for a no annual fee card with a low fixed APR 4.9% on a balance transfer and purchases until April 1998. Since there is no annual fee for the card, it is ideal for the upcoming holiday season. And to see if you're eligible to receive the exciting new we simply just need a few pieces of information. I got these weird bumps on my arm, and sometimes they itch. Uh-huh. Hello? I got these weird bumps on my arm, and sometimes they itch. They itch? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I should come back in? I don't understand. Come bumps. On. It's like bumps on my arm and they itch and I don't know if I should come back in. Come back in where? To be seen. To be seen at the doctor? Okay. You think I should then? I think you should. Okay. What time? <laughs> what time is good for you? Uh, are you available uh, tomorrow at 2? Am I available? Okay. I can do that. Do what? Thank you very much. Bye-bye. I'll see you then. Oh my God. I don't know if you were playing with me, but I. Yes, I was playing with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, was that somebody that was in on the sketch with you? No, no, that was a telemarketer trying to sell me a Bravo card. Those are all real telemarketers that called my house, but I had an old machine that would record incoming or outgoing calls. And my first hubby and I, I'm on my third and final, he and I would record because we worked opposite shifts. So if you came home and that light was blinking, you're like, oh, there's a call. <laughs> and we mess with them. Oh, wow. So I heard you laugh. Yeah. You're washing your own car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, Is that good for you? And you <laughs> okay. That two o'clock, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> but at the very, very end, I don't know if she was playing with me. <laughs> Yeah. So that's what made me think that it was somebody else that they were in on the joke with you because you heard that last part. Apparently she hadn't hung up then yet, right? I hung up, but she was still engaged because my machine was running. So it, it oh. still caught her side. But I was just remembering today this, this story about being at a, a local breakfast place here where we live. And my husband and I were chatting with the server and 
somehow we got on the talk of telemarketers and she quoted this, this interaction that she had heard somebody talk about. It was my own call. She was telling me about it. Now, how weird is that in the whole wide world? Because these weird. calls are, what, 16 years old, 20 years old? Mm -hmm. And she's quoting one to me that she heard from a friend. And she said she heard it on a comedy show. I finished the story and she's like, oh, you heard it? I go, it's mine. I brought her a CD because back then it was on CD. I brought her one. I said, you need to have this because you just quoted mine to me. You were having this. Oh, wow. <laughs> that made my day way beyond my day. <laughs> well, Lisa, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. And I can't wait to in April for to have yes. you come back on. Yes. I'm going to send you the link as soon as we get off because that I sounds great. So look forward to that. I mean, I may need to make sure my bladder is empty before <laughs> we do that. <laughs> that's high praise. I look forward to that. Well, that's so, great. Thank you for your time today. I loved being on chats from the blog cabin. Thank you for being on. And guys, we'll see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye. Bye. Wow. I cannot think of a better episode. Connecting through humor. We all need to learn to laugh at ourselves. So many people take life way too seriously. And even when we make a mistake, we just beat ourselves up instead of laughing our mistakes, about our mistakes, and just going on with our lives. Um, I think this is a very important issue. A lot of women face this. And for Lisa to come out and talk about how she had overcome um, traumatic, uh, traumatic childhood and just using humor and doing improv and how she met her current husband. It's really great. I really would love to see um, what the way the cops reacted the first time she did the little pop rocks in the, um, in the doorway. I really would love to see how the cops would respond to that because honestly, to me, I think my dad would have pulled his gun and you know, you know how that goes. Um, I wanna thank you guys for being part of the podcast family. Please like, leave a review, rate, share with your friends. Like I said, this month of March is all going to be about women and women's issues. It could be a man talking about a women's issue. You don't know what's coming up. So I really appreciate you guys just tuning in every single solitary day in March because this is March is something that I'm very passionate about being a mom of three amazing young women and being a woman myself. It's something that I'm very, um, passionate about. So I want to thank you guys for listening, for being part of the podcast family. And you know what I need you to do until next time? Be blessed and keep chatting with each other.